Hello and welcome to the second episode of Personal Space Invaders, the podcast with no edits and full of bullshit. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Sean. How you doing, Carol? Very good. Yourself? I'm good, I'm good. So what are we talking about today? Okay, I wanted to start with something... Something strange. <laughs> okay. All right. The topic is small talk. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah, because the so it, it's funny. I, no, it's not funny that I'm Polish. But it, it is funny that <laughs> I am Polish and you're from the, let's say, from the Italian and English speaking side of the world. Yes, correct. Right? Yeah. And basically, small talk in Poland is very awkward. And since I've been working with uh, foreign people for many years, I had to basically learn small talk from from the very beginning. <laughs> the thing is that in Poland, if you ask someone, "Hey, how are you doing?" you you, you cannot expect an answer. "Hey, fine, I'm 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 really good." And you, okay. you, you kind of expect the whole history of all the diseases in the family and uh, that the the, really? the the dog had a con- <clears throat> had constipation last uh, nice. last Thursday <laughs> and all this stuff. But basically, small talk, um, as we as we know in the let's say I don't know Western Europe, whatever you call it, is a bit of a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on mentioning uh, the word constipation within the next within the first three minutes of the podcast. But that's a first. At least that's off our checklist for today. Major improvement. Uh, <laughs> so okay, so that's quite interesting that you had to learn small talk from from the beginning. In Western culture especially in the anglo-saxon world it's not so much in the italian speaking world uh, yeah, for yeah. example but in the anglo-saxon world yes i would agree so it's something that you just say without giving too much thought to it so you'd be walking in opposite directions compared to your colleague and at the moment in which you cross each other mm-hmm. in the corridor you say hey how's it going oh yeah yeah fine oh yeah fine okay grand and so as but you're you're saying you're answering the questions Mm. As you're as you've passed each other and as you're walking away from each other, you yeah. know, you're, you don't expect to to give a shit about the other person really. Yeah, it's just like a fake common courtesy. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that many people get stuck up on that if you don't even ask them how are you. Mm. You know, so it's kind of like a weird social norm that it makes no sense, but it's it's kind of what you have to do to show politeness. Yeah, which which for me is really strange because. Well, in, you know, in general, I I have no problems with people on one hand, but on the other hand, I I really prefer that people stay away from. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want my personal space not to be invaded. Invaded, yeah. <laughs> um, in work, mm. now that you've uh, no, it's say, not it's uh, not a problem anymore okay, for me. Okay. No, it's not a problem. It's okay. just that I was even thinking about it today in the morning when I was getting my haircut done. Yeah, and the guy started just speaking, you know, like, uh, so uh, have uh, were you skiing the last weekend? Yeah, I mean, I I, I haven't been for uh, for a haircut in a long time, but when when I used to have hair, I still remember that uh, very awkward hairdresser small talk. I think it's one of the most awkward because you can't really you walk can't away avoid it. No, <laughs> you can't exactly. walk away in the middle of. You're gonna have haircut. to answer. Yeah. yeah, I remember dreading actually that type of talk. Uh, sometimes just to make the small talk more interesting though especially mm. in a hairdresser's I would just say the most random things and even yeah. fake stuff you know you just make up things up mm. <laughs> I mean you make things up so <laughs> I remember even um, funny enough there was this uh, when I used to live in Dublin there was this uh, Polish hairdresser his name was Peter 
and uh, well, Peter he, doesn't sound Polish. Okay, well, if it was Peter or Peter, but his name Piotr. is Peter. Piotr, okay, mm. yes. Um, anyway, long story short, I completely made up a second life. Uh, <laughs> from the first day I went to him, then I had to keep up with all the lies. <laughs> so, Did yeah. you remember all of that? Um, I can't exactly remember what I said to him. Uh, but I do remember just ha- having fun with it, and but it was kind of difficult trying to keep up <laughs> with all the different uh, things that I made up and invented. <laughs> but it just makes sense because you know at least you're having interesting conversations and uh, you're not talking about well, maybe your personal life, which might not be super exhilarating. You know? Yeah. For me, it's just an occasion to have a laugh, basically, because yeah. you know when when I hear small talk, I in my head it's it's a situation that you're sitting on a plane. You turn yeah. right and say, hmm, so you're also going to London, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, no shit, Einstein. <laughs> are you also going to London? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I just find myself on this plane. <laughs> are we going to London? Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> that's, that's extremely funny. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, idea of, of, the idea of small talk is, is what exactly? What do you think? I think the idea of small talk is to avoid the awkward silence. Oh. So I experience that, you know, maybe once a day in work in the lifts when you're in the elevator with uh, one of the colleagues that you don't know by name mm. and you're kind of like, you don't know whether to look at them in the eye, whether to hold your head down, head up, head in the phone. Yeah. And you say, okay. And then you both like take that deep, 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 deep inhale where, <laughs> when the door, doors close. And then you kind of exhale when the doors open. You say, okay, have a nice day. Okay, bye. And you just close the door. I mean, close the yeah, sliding doors. So I, the idea, yeah. So the idea behind small talk, in my opinion, is just to avoid that kind of awkward silence. And at the same time, it's, uh, it can be a nice way to get to know someone, but it just depends on the setting. So yeah. Small talk in a busy environment like a workplace is purely just like a courtesy. Small talk maybe in a um, maybe in a pub or a bar where I've gone there for a few pints by myself, <coughs> and you've gone there for a few pints by yourself. And let's yeah. say we're we're both sitting at the bar, and we say, "Well, hello, stranger. How are you doing here today?" Yeah, just uh, my wife just had two yeah. kids, and uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> And then you just kick it off, you know? So, Guinness, huh? Yeah, so Guinness, huh? <laughs> a real man's drink, huh? I see you drinking that stuff. Uh. And there's also, I mean, and it's also a way, maybe for people who see each other a lot, lots of the time in the same places and they never introduce themselves to each other. Yeah. Um, it's kind of also a way to keep that friendliness going, but also to keep mm-hmm. a certain distance. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of people... Uh, you know, in different in different walks of life, that I've not that I've kept at a distance, but you start on small talk and you never introduce yourself, and so all of a sudden they you become that guy and that guy becomes that guy. Yeah, you know that guy that I always meet at the station. You know, oh yeah, he's a nice guy. What's his name? Oh, I don't know. We just do small talk. You know. Mm. I don't know. It just depends on the situation. Anyway. <clears throat> But as as much as I don't like it, to be honest, I think it's a very valuable skill because this way you can basically meet people. You For can, sure, you can you can For start sure. the conversation. You can it can be helpful at work. It can be helpful at in school. It can be helpful in, in while dating or whatsoever. It can be helpful in um, 
in offices let's say the uh, let's say state run or government run offices when you're trying to maybe charm the person on the other side of the desk yeah, yeah it can be it can be useful in in so many different walks of life i agree yeah but do you think it should be something as as um do you think it should be taught at schools in in a way in some kind of a way like mm. how to approach people i definitely think there's something to be said mm. for that I might not title the class small talk. Yeah, no, of course but not. But I, I think definitely it's... I think the basis of small talk and having good small talk is to feel comfortable in front of another person, just striking up conversation without the fear of being judged or being snubbed. Mm -hmm. Quite often people are afraid to talking to strangers and to each other just on the basis that they might not have anything in common or that they might be just snobbed. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think that you need to, in order to be able to be good at small talk, you just need to eliminate that uh, element. Yeah, but <clears throat> in my mind it comes to the to, an, to a thing that small talk needs to be um, real, right? It cannot be faked. Uh, no, it can be faked. No, no it, I mean, it can be faked, but the fake small talk uh, is not as effective, is it? Well, no, it depends, because if you're in a business meeting, for example, small talk is one of the main tools that you use kind of like to, to yeah, yeah, as sure. an icebreaker you But know let's say so you let's say we're, we're talking about the situation in which you really want to build a meaningful relationship with another person i mean if if it's if it's fake it's it's not going to work as good as it's if as if it's a real interest no, no but but small right? talk is a st you don't you don't lead with small talk for the entire duration of no. whatever the relationship okay, is so you, you start with small talk to, in order to get to bigger things or You just stick to small talk, but because your interactions with the other person are always very limited, both in terms of frequency and in terms of actual duration of time when you do meet them. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Before, so, before we move on to another topic, yeah. I just wanted to mention our new jar. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Thanks for bringing the jar. Yeah, so we, we prepared um, the a, a swear jar. We, yes. we, we want to punish ourselves for... Uh, for for publishing swear words which we haven't done so far which we haven't done so far fuck <laughs> how much should it be uh, should it be one, fuck? one one franc per word one fuck per word <laughs> one 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 franc per fuck <laughs> yeah okay. okay okay so one franc per fuck and uh, Star how, starting, how many starting now okay 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 all right what if we say feck Yeah, it doesn't 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 work. It, no, but you, do you know the do you know that feck is an actual word in uh, some uh, English speaking countries like Ireland, for example? Do they speak English in Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, so feck is what an Irishman says when he doesn't want to use the profanity fuck in public. Uh, that's fine. I mean, as yeah. as long as it's not considered as a vulgar language, I think it's all right. No. It's kind of like an Irish take on fuck, but it's in a friendly way. And it's kind of like, oh, by changing one vowel mm -hmm. and I completely remove the vulgarity so like <laughs> or kind of half remove it. So like in Manchester, where they just cannot pronounce the word properly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why? What way do they pronounce the, the word in Manchester? I will not say that because I would have to throw a frank in the jar. Yeah, I'm kind of already it's, losing it's money. More, it's more like an O in the in the middle rather than... Uh, the 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 sound ah 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we should move on from this topic right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's okay. time it out. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to start with uh, on my side with one of the topics that's probably very dear to your heart, Ooh. which is the adopting new habits topic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I was doing some reading over the past week and um, just... A general overview of, of the articles that I've read mostly that it takes you know anywhere between 21 and up to 66 days for a new habit mm-hmm. to um, to stick yeah however the the most recent articles kind of state that the common consensus on habits is that it really depends from person to person mm-hmm and it's not as if you, you know anyone can uh, repeat the same act for 21 or whatever amount of days it yeah. is and still maintain that habit. So there is no recipe. There really isn't. There doesn't seem to be a recipe. Mm-hmm. However, the most if it seems to be that the most effective way to instill a new habit is a combination of different things. Mm-hmm. It's a combination, a combination of repetition, yeah. but also of consciousness of what this new habit is going to bring to you and of thinking about your goal. I guess also seeing results, no? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the biggest things, uh, you really point out, one of the biggest things that prevents people from continuing to adopt new habits is the the lack of immediate uh, results or the or the result being negative as if you imagine a person smoking for 20 odd years oh yeah i mean the impact of them quitting smoking exactly. would be very negative on their body yes exactly. absolutely so yeah. it's like an yeah. <clears throat> it's like a negative result which actually leads them to come back to their to their mm-hmm. bad habits right yeah yeah i, I think also it takes it takes planning it takes mm. good planning because you need to be uh, conscious of what you want to achieve and you need to be conscious that every day you want to achieve that one thing mm-hmm. and which is uh, extremely difficult sometimes it's extremely difficult mm-hmm. because life gets in the way because you know you you it's all well and good when you're at home in the evening and you're you have time for yourself to think about stuff and you say okay yeah. well tomorrow i'm going to do this tomorrow i'm going to do that and then you have, you know, life is throwing you constantly, you know, new curveballs every day that you need to dodge or catch. And, and it's, it's difficult because you have to cope with stress. And um, I think that that's the, the place where most habits kind of go out the window. Mm-hmm. Where people lose that consistency or, or balance or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think, as you said, it's very individual, but at the same time, there there are some things that can definitely help to 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 gain a success on this on this in this department. I yeah. think having support from from other people that you care for is is an amazing thing that can help you actually overcome the 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 easy way of getting back to not doing the new thing. Yeah. I, 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 would you say that that could be described as accountability or is it something different? No, both. It's both, actually. Accountability okay. is one thing because if, yeah, if you say it out loud to people that you care for that you're doing something new and then you fail, mm-hmm. I think it's more, it's, it's more difficult to, to actually um, uh, accept the failure because you're not only failing yourself but you're also kind of failing else. someone else. But yeah. at the same time, I, I, what I was thinking is that the 
<clears throat> the, um, I was thinking about just people around you who you care about and, you know, just being very positive about what you're, what, what, what you're doing and really supporting you and checking on you. And I think this, this can be intimidating on one hand if you, yeah, if sure. you overdo that, but sure. I think it's very helpful. Yes. At the same time, though, would it not create a situation where you kind of become overwhelmed by that and maybe let's say you fail one day and you don't have because you don't want to disappoint you know the people mm. around you you say okay well i'm uh you know i didn't do that yesterday yeah i i won't tell them you know i'll, I'll do it again tomorrow <clears throat> and all of a sudden your your chain of of consistency is kind of broken and where do you go from there so it, it can mm -hmm. also have an opposite effect in my opinion sure of course that's interesting i mean it's also it's also about setting ground rules of what you're trying to do right yeah because i think um in a pro i mean it's as if someone told you that from now on you have to walk <clears throat> backwards yeah right yeah it's, it's some things are just instinct some things are just hard-coded in your brain and in order to, 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 to change it, you really need to make a huge effort sometimes. Sure. And I think it's not, it's not as easy of saying, you know, uh, I don't know the, my, my new habits from the, from the recent past, like reading for fi at least 15 minutes mm -hmm. a day, mm -hmm. it's, it's a fairly easy habit to, 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 to start. So it, it's, it can be very difficult because it's a very regular thing to do every single day, which I failed with. I mean, I do it almost every day, but I haven't done it for every single day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think if you, if you think about it, that if that one day failure is a complete failure of the whole new change, I mean, it's just wrong because you have to allow yourself to fail. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And in fact, I think that there's this obsession with i mean you see it even online with uh in the world of fitness for example you say 30 day challenge 100 yeah. push-ups a day you know and and people kind of uh nearly self-flagellate themselves for not being able to achieve that 100 push-ups every yeah. single day and it's okay it's just it's just trying i guess at the same time let's um before we move on to the, to the next topic let's talk about the psychology behind habits i mean we all know the psychology behind our bad habits because mm -hmm. more or less in the moments they give us uh, a little bit of satisfaction mm -hmm. but maybe afterwards we kind of realize oh damn it i shouldn't have done that you know but it, it, it felt good in the moment but now i regret it because the consequences consequences are a b and c yeah so i guess based on on this mm -hmm. the the logical um, conclusion for the creation of good habits is really to try and trick our brains for the new habits that we want to adopt to actually be happy once we act upon that new habit that we want to adopt. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. And, and so if we, can, if we can make that connection, then I think that's uh, part of the recipe for success in adopting the new habit. Mm -hmm. But what do you think a habit is? Do you think it's like a short circuit in your brain saying, okay, if this, then that? Or is it is it more is it a more complicated thing? Well, I think there are, there are different types of habits. Um, I think that there are habits that you just do, and we'll come up, we'll we'll come on to these types uh, later because I have a, a kind of connected topic. Okay. There there are some habits that you just do compulsively or, or you know yeah intuitively. 
and, sure. there, and there are others that you do more consciously but that they're so ingrained in your being they're, mm -hmm. they've become part of who you are that you just do them without even thinking mm -hmm. um, in the world of sport for example training and repetition mm -hmm. of one particular movement or action turns into a habit when you're in competition or in match yes because your subconscious takes over but, yeah, but it's even if it's it's not even a habit of your of your mind it's also a habit of your muscles and yes it's like absolutely a complete memory of what what this movement needs to be yes. in the perfect way yes yes absolutely but the point of that is that that habit is not calculated for a single second because your subconscious has completely yeah. Uh, envelop that in itself and it's just part of who you are it's basically if, if you're it's it's like you telling your brain do that but instead of saying do that which means that you need to do this 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 and that step this is kind of already coded in your memory right unless i'm confused and just completely confuffled by what you just said i think <laughs> the answer is yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Understood. You said you said you have you have a connected topic, right? I do. Yeah. Do you want me to go on to that straight yeah, away? Uh, yeah. If it's connected, then I think sure. it makes sense. Yes. So, have you ever heard of? Let me check this up. Let me make sure I'm I'm saying the right uh, acronym. Have you ever heard of BFRBs? BFRBs. No. Body focused repetitive behaviors. Okay, no, I've never heard of okay. it. Okay, so, you know, if you put 30 people inside a room, odds are that uh, some of them will be either uh, biting their nails or picking at their skin or pulling at their hair or grinding mm -hmm. their teeth or, mm -hmm. or, or biting their lip, chewing the inside of their mouth. Yep. All these things I've discovered recently are, are called... Um, body-focused repetitive behaviors okay that's interesting and I, I found that completely interesting because i'm i'm a let's say in inverted commas i'm i'm a victim of these uh body-focused repetitive no, behaviors me too i mean for yeah. sure <laughs> and and so it was kind of it was kind of um interesting for me to delve a bit deeper into into these behaviors and to try and understand a bit more uh what is at the the, the back of our minds when we're actually doing these so there seems to be one common theme, which is the theme of um, stress, anxiety, that is at a very um, deep level within us that we might not even be conscious about. So we might be going about our day mm -hmm. and we might even not notice that we're, we're carrying out these actions. Mm -hmm. And in the minute that, you know, that we're doing them, we kind of wake up and say, oh, oh, would you look at that? I was, I was, I don't know, biting my lip. I didn't even notice. Mm -hmm. But you might not feel the stress in that moment. Yeah. However, um, if you were to take a moment, let's say in the evening and kind of go over your day and really ask yourself, how were you feeling during the day? Were there any things that were stressing you out and kind of uh, really getting in touch with yourself? then you might notice that, oh, okay, I, I, yeah, that thing kind of stressed me out today at work, or, you know, I had uh, I had a fight with, I don't know, a loved one or something like that, and then straight after that I noticed that I was fidgeting a lot more, etc., etc., etc. So these things are really more than a bad habit. They're triggered by, by mood, um, especially. And also I think that there is an addictive part in, in, in these behaviors, because 
it kind of, I don't know about you, but I, I bite my nails and I find myself that I, I find that when I bite, I'm biting my nails that I'm stressed about something. Mm-hmm. I only realize it after, but you know, the more you analyze the, these behaviors, um, the more you, you realize in the moment when you're doing them that, that something is kind of wrong. But sometimes I just get a kick out of it because it gets me over. It gets me past that moment of stress or it helps me cope with that moment of stress. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know, do you have any of these uh, body-focused repetitive behaviors? And um, if if so, how do they make you feel? Uh, When do you find yourself... Uh, you know, doing these acts. You, you know, that's, that's a very interesting topic because I do have um, at least one that I can think of. Yeah. And it's actually, yes. And how do you call it? Pick, pick, picking. Pick, picking at your skin. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's it's genetical. It is. And that's one of the, the points that I, that I uh, this, love to make this, after. This is really amazing. Yeah. So some of the majority of the articles that I was reading uh, mentioned that people are genetically predisposed for this type of behavior. And I know for sure that my dad has uh, one of these behaviors, which is picking at the the skin at the back of his head, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) But the funny thing is that I used to do that when I was a kid. Okay. But I, you know, I, throughout my life, uh, unfortunately, I I guess, I've I've had a a myriad of these body-focused repetitive behaviors. When When I was a very young kid, I used to have um, trichotillomania, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Do you know what that is? What the hell is that? It's pulling out your hair. Really? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm bald now for everyone listening, but still, um, you know, I recovered from that. The the cause cause of my baldness is not my trichotillomania, but it's, uh, you know, genetic. It's uh, male pattern baldness. But however, the, so I I had that when I was a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I've been biting my nails since since I can you know remember, and I've been trying at several stages of my life to to stop, and I still am. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's difficult because it's it's kind of compulsive, and it's it, you do it unconsciously mm-hmm. in those moments of stress. You you know you know I used to I used to bite my nails. Okay. And I stopped when I was seven, and I perf- <laughs> I perfectly remember this moment. Of course, because everyone perfectly remembers when they were seven years old. <laughs> No, somehow I, I do remember that. I just one day decided that I will not do it ever again. And I never had. Well, congratulations. You should earn a medal. Yeah. You bastard. <laughs> bastard but, doesn't... Does bastard count for the... No, of course it doesn't you count. You know what is more Swear funny? Jar. It's that my father did not bite his nails. Okay. So it doesn't seem to be genetical. Genetic, yeah. Genetic, sorry. Um... Okay. Well, is it, maybe there's 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 something you know in your genealogy. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it skips a generation. Maybe, maybe your your grandfather, you know, used to have some of these behaviors. <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue. So I was I was going through the list of them, right? So we have, and I'm I'm not going to try and attempt the pronunciation of some of these words because they're really long <laughs> and complicated. Okay. But one of them is uh, dermatillomania which is people who can't help but pick at their pimples and their scabs and bumps or even that's healthy, my brother. healthy skin sometimes. That's, that's your brother? Yes, that's ah, my brother. Okay, okay good. Okay. Um, so then the, the, the technical term for biting your nails is uh, onychophagia. I think it is, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I definitely, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm making mistakes. And... Um, 
And, and what, it, what apparently, apparently as many as 30% of people do this and and some of them as I was mentioning earlier on are, are not even aware and that, but, that but, is biting your nails ah yeah, okay that is biting your, biting your nails yeah how many people? around 30% yeah it's it's quite quite common wow so uh, 2 billion people in, <laughs> on planet earth are yes. biting their nails yes wow another one is uh, I'm reading the Latin name now is morsicatio bucarum which is people who can't stop biting the inside of their mouths now I have that. I know this person. I know a person like that. I, yeah. I do that. I bite the bite the side of my cheek sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'm really fucked up. Oh shit. Oh fuck. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of francs in this swear jar. Ka-ching. Ka-ching. Uh, the next one is I I also do sometimes, which is morsicatio labiorum, and this is when you have the urge to uh, chew or bite on your inner lip. Okay. Uh, I'm glad I don't have this next one, which is morsicatio linguarum, which is people who chew on the sides of their tongues. And wow. then the next one is is what you have, which is onicotillomania. So you can't stop uh, picking or pulling at your, uh, you know, um, at the skin around your your nails, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there are another few. They're pretty disgusting. So yeah, maybe let's. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's. Overall, it's really interesting, and it does tie into the topic that we were talking about, about uh, habits. And uh, I, I am going to make conscious efforts, as always, to, to try and not do these things, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Okay. All right. Just to change the topic. Yeah. So, um, no one can see that, <laughs> but we're, at the moment, we're having a beer, right? Yes. Well, I've finished my, my beer. Do you yeah. want me to go get another one? Uh, no, there is there is still some. Okay, but <clears throat> I read something very interesting about beer recently. Basically, that is that the fastest growing beer segment. Guess what it is? IPA. No. Lager. No. Pills. No. Uh, ale. No, it's non-alcoholic beer. Really? Yes. It's really interesting because it's um, the the growth of non-alcoholic beer in Europe is four percent, almost four percent, against zero point two percent in alcoholic beer. Wow! The difference the difference is quite vast, but just <clears throat> in percentage. I mean, it's still only five percent of overall beer consumption um, is non-alcoholic at the moment. Which is nothing. Which is almost nothing. Yeah. But the biggest breweries in the world say that they're they're in their strategies. It's the. It's twenty percent. Wow. Until twenty twenty five. Fuck. Shit! Oh my god. <laughs> Two francs. <laughs> Hold on. It's one franc per fuck, right? Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's three francs now. You owe three francs. But shit doesn't count. Yeah, let's say it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's uh, interesting. And the, I was just I was just thinking of reasons, and I, I I googled the reasons for that. Yeah. And the first thing is that beer is growing in Middle East, where obviously they they don't drink alcohol that much, at least not officially. And then there is a very interesting trend, which is in China, that even thirty percent of all new beers released in the past years were non-alcoholic. Wow. That's interesting, no? Do you think that that Chinese number bumps up that percentage of yours? I think it can, but also when you look at the numbers, it's uh, that 43% increase was observed in Germany. 
Whoa. Which is which is crazy, isn't it? I guess that's for people going out on nights out and not wanting, I mean, not wanting to drink and drive, I guess. I, I, yeah, that, that can be one thing, but do you not see that also alcohol is kind of fading out as a fun thing to do? Uh, when you, when, <laughs> well, obviously it, it isn't when you look in a big scale because it's still a huge consumption. But when you look around and uh, and talk to people, do you not think it's 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 very slowly fading out as a as a thing to do? I think it depends on your age group, man. I think and obviously you drink a lot in your twenties and in your mm. teens and your twenties. Then you slow down in your thirties, mm-hmm. and then when it's time to have kids and you're go to dinner parties in your 40s and you've had such a stressful week and you're you're you know kids are running around the place and you have the that one chance to get wasted yeah then you do yeah and it also depends on the country i mean ireland england scotland wales Mm. at least if we're talking about european union together with maybe czech republic croatia germany denmark poland poland sweden uh, Nor- all, Norway, I'd say all these countries yeah. will probably definitely continue their, you know, their their drinking. Yeah, yeah, true, of course. And this was only about beer, so it doesn't in, uh, it doesn't yeah. include vodka, it doesn't yeah. include wine. And I, I and think all maybe alcohols. maybe maybe I might be wrong, but could it be that the, if the beer consumption has gone down, does that mean that cocktails and spirits have gone up in consumption, and also maybe wine? The consumption of beer hadn't gone down. Hasn't gone down. No. Okay. No, no. It's the it's the growth that is it's not as. It's the growth as, of the non-alcoholic. Yeah. It, but that must be replacing something else. So, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm chewing on a potato right now. I guess, I, I guess it might be replacing something else. I didn't do that much research, but I just thought it's interesting to see that. It is very the, interesting. Yeah. The 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 the, the difference the difference in the increase is so big. Yeah, it's massive actually. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, <laughs> when we were at alcohol, I would have uh, another topic that we kind of touched in the last episode, yeah. which is Fire Festival. Oh, yes. <laughs> fire, yes. fire Festival. Genius. So, actually, you know, there is... So, I watched... I You watched the documentary, right? I did, yeah. The Netflix one. I did, yeah. Yeah, me too. And um, there is an amazing thing. There is an amazing thing that I I came across. So basically, the Fire Festival, for those who don't know, was a festival created by Jaru and a guy, an entrepreneur from New York, who that that was to be on a deserted island. And yeah, he, he was uh, he was claiming that it was Pablo Escobar's island. Exactly, which which it in was car- in the Caribbean, which yes, it was, but which they was. were kicked out from the island <laughs> yes. and they had to organize it somewhere else. Yeah. And in the end, the the whole festival was just uh, was just called off. But already, when people were there, uh, correct. It was a it 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 was a huge um, disappointment for many people, and it was a huge deal for for the let's say festival industry to to see that um, you know it's it's just it's just negative PR and and all this stuff. It was also proof that um, the things that you see on Instagram don't mean shit. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Because that festival was mainly marketed with just one uh, edited video yep. of Sup- some, some of the 10 hottest supermodels, yep. uh, you know, currently out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they just kept on pushing that on Instagram, and that was yep. it. And they, they didn't even have that much of uh, imagery, it was just an orange um, square. <laughs> yeah, the, the look and the branding of the festival was very, very um, minimal. Let's yeah. say, 
But the the all that they they pushed on was really the the fact that they had these uh, yeah. super influencers. Yeah. So I mean, we we could talk for hours on you know how people um, manage their expectations or couldn't manage their expectations or they didn't make a reality check on that and and stuff. But that's not what I wanted actually to talk. It's when I when I when I watched the documentary, I actually was talking to a friend of mine. And he said the following. You don't have any friends. Yeah, my imaginary ah, okay. friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. His name is Rudolf. <laughs> and um, he said the following. But man, the whole fire festival didn't happen. It was a fake. The documentary is about uh, something that hasn't happened. They, they they just mocked you. And I was like, what the? No. Are you talking about? No, no, he's wrong. But, you know, he raised the doubt. I mean, <laughs> it was a reasonable doubt because, you know, you, you you hear about all the fake news and stuff. No, no, people got sued over it. No, no, there's no way. Yeah, but, you know... Okay, so I, you I started to have a doubt. I, I started to have a doubt. Okay. And I started Googling like crazy. I was like, <laughs> did I miss something? Am I stupid? Yeah, am I stupid? Did I miss something? I mean, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure I heard about it in the past. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost sure that it really, really happened. And there was a huge scandal around it. Yeah. And obviously, I found the, the 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 documents of the lawsuit and against the guy, and and all the stuff that I found was kind of making it real. So, uh, yes, you I were reassured that you weren't. Done. I was I was reassured, but then I I, I said to the guy, look, uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want I to. I don't want to burst your bubble. <laughs> exactly, but but it really happened, and he was like, come on, stop kidding, stop, stop kidding me. So he was he was hundred percent sure it's fake. Yeah, because it's, it, the story is fucking ridiculous. Oh my god, the story is ridiculous. <laughs> four, four francs. Jesus, swear jar is getting full very fast. But but can you imagine how? But it, it was ridiculous. Yes, I agree. The whole documentary shows how 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 not to organize an event. For uh, anyone who's an event organizer out there, go watch yeah. this because it will really make you a better event manager. <laughs> Things not to do. Yeah, but looking at the looking at the at the guy who was in complete denial of every single problem that occurred, and yeah, yeah, and Jaru who was completely stoned all the time or drunk. I mean, allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, allegedly, yes. Uh, yeah. No edits, so I will not edit it. But yes, allegedly. And mm -hmm. um, it's 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 not very difficult to say. Uh, okay. Um, the, it was a recipe for a disaster from the very beginning. Your recipe for a disaster from the very beginning. That's what your mom said. Oh no, a recipe for disaster. How do you know that? I don't know, but she speaks very good English. <laughs> but if you if you just uh, if we just uh, touch base on the fake news, which um, you know, I oh, don't get me started on fake news. <laughs> I re I really for a moment I really had a strong doubt that someone might have created such a strong. A series of fake news that would lead me to thinking that the fire festival was actually real. Well, didn't didn't um, Joaquin Phoenix kind of come close to that, or wasn't that his concept? He he didn't really know that he was going in the direction of exposing the problems that um, the appellative fake news might cause in modern society, or even that actual fake news um, causes in society. However. Do you remember that time when he went on the David Letterman show? Maybe, I don't know, it was maybe 10 years ago by now. 
and he he had this very long beard he was wearing sunglasses he was completely uh he looked like completely stoned or drunk mm -hmm. and allegedly alleged and well no he looked like it i mean you can look at the videos yourself you really did um and and if you if you go back and, and have a look um he then made a, a documentary about this oh, i didn't know yeah yeah now i don't know what it is but in the meantime if you feel the silence in the air right now i can <laughs> google it really quickly no i have to say i'm i i'm i'm really i'm really nervous when i hear fake news yeah um, but it's also very amazing how people really believe them yeah like that climate change doesn't exist because there is a polar vortex in in the united states so how can there be a climate change how can there be a global warming where when um you know you have you have snow in the states <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the reasoning behind yeah it. so stupid but in the meantime thank you for um talking you see that's a good example of small talk actually mm -hmm. <laughs> right now what mm -hmm. you were doing is small talk to uh fill the air so i i did a quick google and what i was talking about was the movie by um uh, directed by Casey Affleck, uh, produced by him as well, and produced by Joaquin Phoenix and Amanda White. And it's this movie that stars Joaquin Phoenix. It's titled I'm Still Here. It was made mm -hmm. in 2010. Okay. And it's an American mockumentary, so not a documentary, mockumentary mm -hmm. comedy drama, directed by, as I said, by Casey Affleck. And in the film, uh, which follows uh, Joaquin Phoenix, um, in the film, Joaquin Phoenix announces his retirement from acting, and then the film follows his transition into a career uh, as a hip-hop artist, uh, hip-hop artist, sorry, and um, it's really, really cool because he stayed in character for literally for years. Okay. In, in all public appearances. <laughs> but, but doesn't that beg the question, what is real? And so that's what I was saying. I was saying he kind of touched upon the theme of fake news in a sense because people started to generate content around this saying oh my god what happened to Joaquin Phoenix and he made these very mm. uh, let's say in inverted com in, in quotes scandalous appearances where mm -hmm. his behavior was, was totally over the top in these um, talk shows in America mm -hmm. and people were losing their shit over it they were like oh my god he's a bum now he's always drunk what's happening to him he's always high uh, you know he's really it, throwing it, his career away it's, it's and a bit like believing that Borat is, is real right absolutely mm. yeah yeah absolutely but it, Borat was, you know, it was way more surreal, and yes, you, and of you could, and it was way more, it, it was much more of a character caricature. Whereas this, and I remember seeing clips of this as it was going on. Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, oh my god, what, what has he done? You know, he he was super, still super famous a few years off the back of the Gladiator, which was, you mm -hmm. know, an amazing box office yeah. uh, hit. But it just shows you that the media will just report anything that is out there that is newsworthy. Mm -hmm. However, the, the truthfulness of that is really up for debate many times, more times than we actually might expect. And that is quite scary. Mm -hmm. But g going back to fake news, yeah. if we have a look at Brexit and we, if we have a look at you know, the American elections uh, of, yeah, like, of 2016, I mean, that, that shit is scary. Yeah, for instance, there there is a Polish politician who said recently that smog cannot exist in Poland on this specific day because smog um, needs fog. 
and there was no fog on this day. Did he win a Nobel Prize for bullshit? Uh, I hope he does, yeah. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> He's a genius. Hashtag genius. Yeah. But people believe that. People say that. Yeah. They say it out loud. Wow. People say vaccines cause autism. And that's true. That's true. I mean, it's true that people <laughs> say that the vaccines cause autism. Not that it does. Thank I'm not agreeing with these people, okay? okay? Thank you for correcting me. Yes. <laughs> I, I was okay. on my way on to the, end, to yeah. the exit yeah. already. <laughs> um, okay, the podcast ends here. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about next, man? No, um, to, to finish the fake news on the, on the funny notes, I, I... Is that not the funny note you were waiting for? No. The, okay, wow. The okay. funny note is that, you know Alec Baldwin uh, on Saturday Night Live as Trump, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just remember that he said something on... I don't remember what it was, unfortunately, but he said something on Saturday Night Live and uh, one of the Eastern European newspapers quoted him as a Trump. Oh my God. And he even pasted a picture oh my God. of Alec Baldwin as as Donald Trump. Oh and my God. Can you please find this for the next podcast? Yeah, I will. I, I actually couldn't find it, but I tried, but Fucking hell. <laughs> it was too funny. Uh, one Frank, by the way, to the swear oh, jar. Oh shit. You know, if you were to introduce the, 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 the swear jar penalty for the word shit, I would be in deep shit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Payday was on Friday and <laughs> Sean is broke on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, moving on, Sean. Okay. Bring it on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm undecided on which topic to start on, but I guess that we could, we could go into talking about different ways of performing better in work. And, and two, two mm-hmm. things come to mind. Okay. One thing is, um, well, I suppose three things come to mind. So the first is eating healthy and how that boosts the mm. uh, healthy bacteria in your gut, who are also connected to your mood and to your to your brain and how you perform mm-hmm. at a mental level. Uh, excuse me, that beer is having its effects. The second one is exercise and obviously how that can reduce cortisol and stress and it can make you perform better because it enhances your cognitive function. And the third one is... Is, 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 is this topic to criticize me or what? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, I mean, but the, the third topic is um, napping at work. Mm-hmm. And as, as I'm sure you know, in Japan, they have this uh, custom or... or I, it's not really a tradition, it's just a custom mm-hmm. whereby people in in work, in offices can actually doze off during a meeting or, or snooze or even actually go and take a proper nap. Mm-hmm. And that is considered as part of looking after your well-being and your performance in work. And so wouldn't it be great if we also had this in Western Europe? Because I guess in Western Europe, okay. But there are siestas, no? Uh, but, Oh, yeah, I suppose. But at least in in my experience, in my working experience, mm-hmm. limited working experience, mm-hmm. I don't think that if I were to snooze off during a meeting, it would be considered as, oh, yeah, look at that guy. He's oh, really he's, looking after himself. Yeah, oh. he's taking care of himself. Mm. So so apparently in Japan, so if you're during, if, during a meeting, if you hide your face with your hand as you snooze off, people won't mind that. As long as you're not affecting the actual, you know, proceedings of the meeting, etc. <laughs> as long as you're not snoring. Exactly, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. 
but but they will wake you up if they need, if they need you to talk about something, and I just find that totally hilarious. But how Wouldn't good that be so how, cool? How good quality do you think a nap during a meeting is? Well, I don't know. These people are clearly used to napping in uh, mm. noisy environments. I mean, when you think about the density of the population in Japan, where they're basically one on top of the other, mm -hmm. especially maybe in big corporate centers such as Tokyo or Okinawa or somewhere. Um, I just think it would be really cool to try that over here. I don't think we'd last long. I think we'd probably get fired. But just in terms of measuring your productivity, if you could nap for 20, 25 minutes, I mean, they mm -hmm. say that the perfect nap time is... 20 to 25 minutes and that yeah, boosts your your memory it boosts your cognitive performance etc i think is as long as you as you don't fall into deeper sleep right i mean i guess yeah 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 exactly so you they limit that to, to 20 to 25 minutes because anytime after that you start falling into maybe mm -hmm. rem yeah yeah exactly yeah but listen what, what do you have to say about you know healthy eating exercise and and let's say sleeping for performance of any type i think uh, you know from my experience healthy eating and exercising for sure is uh is always helps because it just it just makes more oxygen th flow through your body so basically it helps you to perform in any any kind of form mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. as in com as it comes to the naps i really have no clue for instance for me it doesn't work for, okay. really doesn't work <laughs> you just become a cranky old bastard don't you exactly <laughs> exactly 100 true i really don't like naps yeah okay i prefer to be on my, on my last legs for a few hours than to have a 15 minute nap i mean there are, there are still exceptions for instance when i drive a very long distance and you nap while driving of course we've uh, all done that <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped to have <laughs> okay. this this can this can work but um, during a day that I really need to have to perform in a, any shape or form like I have to be my mind has to be uh, you know performing I, it, does, it really doesn't work because it affects my mood in a negative way fair enough fair enough mate but at the same time I mean <clears throat> you know that my eating habits are probably not the healthiest in the world. When you do, you are fond of sauces. <laughs> I'm Polish, so yeah. <laughs> And my exercising is not enough. So I don't know, maybe if I had eaten healthy and if i had been exercising more, maybe the naps would be really working in a different way. I think so because um, exercise makes your sleep uh, better. I guess, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of cool to see that it's all interconnected. But, you know, I think talking about this type of stuff is useful in stripping down, let's say, maybe the, the commonplaces or the stereotypes around being a good professional or a responsible professional. You know, if you are really considered to to be uh, a good employee, what does that actually mean? Do you look after your body and your mind, you know, as a temple, as the Romans used to say, mm -hmm. or um, do you work yourself into the ground? I mean, and in interestingly enough, that's the opposite side of the coin in, in Japan, mm -hmm. where people literally, you know, drive themselves into the ground in terms of work. They, they just overwork so much because it's considered a thing of, um, 
honor and it's considered a thing of uh, responsibility and you need to show your commitment and you know people can constantly burn out mm -hmm. in japan on this but that that's a, a slight uh, digression but let's talking again about what makes a good employee uh, and and stripping down those stereotypes um quite often you know if you if you look good you are probably people will look up look to you with more respect in the sense you know from a fashion perspective or a dress perspective if you mm -hmm. walk into with a suit compared to a uh, jeans and a, and a shirt you're certainly going to look more quote professional all right and <clears throat> and maybe people from the outside might think oh yeah you know yeah that guy oh he's super professional he's always on the ball he looks on point etc etc but he might be eating shit he might not be exercising he might not be sleeping well and he might be eating very, a lot of sugar eating a lot of sugar having low productivity um you know all these things so what what does it really mean to be a good employee to you to me yeah Oh, that's a difficult question. Well, welcome to the place of difficult questions. <laughs> I think it's a mixture of <clears throat> I think it's a mixture of um, being productive and actually adhering to the to the agreement that you made with the employer. Okay, you try not to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's. <laughs> You, you could, you could, I could start arguing if 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 employment is actually a good thing. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so okay, so I'll tell you what. Let's park this for the next podcast and let's move on. Yeah, but let's keep this as an open point for the no, next podcast. That's, a, that's a definitely interesting topic because um, it's. I'm 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 not able to answer like straight away. That's fine. We park it and we discuss it next time. Okay, that's fine. Um, okay, just to jump to another topic, um, which is, uh, maybe it's not connected, but anyway. Uh, you might have heard the term sharing economy, right? Sharing a condom? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no, honestly, what were you saying? Sharing economy. Sharing economy? Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. So, um, so Airbnb, Uber, this yes. kind of stuff, yes, right? Yes, yes. My question would be, do you think it's good? Let's hmm. say these two particular cases, Airbnb and mm -hmm. Uber. Okay. I think the answer obviously depends from what perspective you're looking at it. I mean, I'm not an expert in macroeconomics, so I can't speak for, uh, oh, it creates more employment, etc., 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 etc. I'm mm -hmm. not going to go there. What I can say, though, from a consumer perspective, mm -hmm. is that yeah hell yeah it's good okay because you have a world where you have hotels and you have a world where you have taxis yes. and all of a sudden the number of services in those two categories available doubles or or, or triples or whatever mm -hmm. it is yeah and so as a consumer you have way more choice sure and the usually, prices usually cheaper and choice. exactly and usually the prices are go down because of mm -hmm. the competition yeah, but the question is, if you're not paying the price, who do you think is paying the price? Is Or is there a, a price to pay for having something cheaper? Um, somewhere there is. I mean, where you know, you give in one place and you take away in, in, in the other usually, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it's, as I said, from a consumer perspective, it's good. But in terms of who pays the price... Uh, I think that that is kind of shared across the board, I guess. Okay. I guess I mean, because, because, I mean, as a Uber driver, let's say, mm -hmm. do I have 
any advantage or do I have the possibility to market myself to bring more of the client pool towards my car compared to other Uber drivers other than you know my geographical location in the moment in which a client needs a cab probably not because it's it's kind of steered by by the app and, exactly and, right? and, and so, your rating and everything but <clears throat> I, I guess the rating is something that you you have influence on so I okay. think this could be okay but you're still dependent more or less I mean maybe not all the time but the rating could be you know off sometimes because you mm -hmm. just get a grumpy passenger who might be super picky and you might have offered a great service mm -hmm. well, I just I just I um I really have a problem with those with with these kind of services and on on one hand I really like them because they are extremely user-friendly they are usually cheaper although if you look at Airbnb it's not that much cheaper anymore uh, as it used to be in the past it isn't you're right <clears throat> but let's take Uber which is really much cheaper than any other services uh, that would be alike so like taxis mm -hmm. But the thing is that, you know, when you use the service and everything goes well, it's fine. I you, agree. You pay a cheaper price, you get the same service, you go to the airports or whatever you want to go, wherever you want to go, and, and it's fine. But if you look at it from a perspective if something goes wrong, like you're assaulted by an Uber driver or <clears throat> if you have... Or quite a, often a, it, a Uber driver is assaulted by a passenger, actually. As well, of course, yeah. of course. Uh, I'm not trying to, 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 to look at it one way, but yeah. what I'm trying to, to, to get to is, um, let's say it, there is an accident of an Uber car, right? I mean, taxi drivers have usually, I mean, no, not usually, it's regulated. You have to have insurance at the specific amount. You need to be responsible, held, resp you are held responsible and you have a policy that uh, guarantees whatever happens in your car is your responsibility, right? And if you have a, <clears throat> if you have an accident in an Uber car, do you know if there is a responsibility of anyone? Yeah, I guess I guess in a less regulated world, the consumer has less protection. That's that's the thing, and and also I, I it's my opinion. I think that really, <clears throat> really the 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 drivers pay the price of of your accessible and cheap service, because I don't know how it's in different countries. Um, I don't know how it is in the states, but I remember when Uber was coming into Poland. I already. I already lived in Switzerland, but uh, whenever I went to, to Poland, it, um, I, I was using Uber and I was talking to the drivers and they were super happy about the, the paycheck and everything, but it yeah. was the beginning. Okay. Right? So Uber was in, uh, giving a lot of incentive to the drivers to, to, to be active, to be, to be driving and to, be, to, to really have good cars and everything. Yeah. You know, over the course of the past years, and it's not a long, it's not a long time. It's like six years, five, six years in Poland. It's, I think it's it's around four, okay, three and yeah, a half to four. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, um, uh, the drivers are not Polish anymore, <laughs> or a majority of them, as I experience, are not Polish anymore. They're Ukrainian, or even or even um, Hindu. But that's everywhere, mate. Yes, yes, yeah. that's fine. Um, but whenever I talk to a Polish Uber driver in Poland, they are really um, saying that the the paychecks and everything has gone 
to the to the negative side. So it's it's getting it's getting worse. So I'm just thinking if it's if it's not really if it's not really too exaggerated to see that okay there is a great service which is cheap and the consumers should be should be actually very happy about it but at the same time the consumers are causing the drivers or uh, who are actually other consumers to 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 suffer from that yeah i get your point i i think I'm, I'm, i do not have an answer to that i'm just saying that i, ha I really have a problem with those services um, on top of that there is also the the problem with taxes with taxis <laughs> <laughs> sorry bad one <laughs> Yeah, the problem with taxes, because, for instance, <clears throat> obviously, uh, hotel industry or um, transport industry, they have specific taxes that they pay to the governments. And uh, obviously, you can argue what the governments do with the taxes, but usually the taxes should be to run the state, which is healthcare and all the uh, education and all the other stuff. Right. And these taxes are just disappearing because for instance because of airbnb sure and airbnb and uber are saying look we are just middlemen we are not doing anything wrong here mm -hmm. yeah because the contract is between the consumer and the exactly. private person who's providing we're just providing an app or we're yeah. just providing a service and yeah. it's not it's not us who are doing wrong mm -hmm. That I but they're facilitating it at the end of the day, so yeah. it's 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 kind of, their argument, in my opinion, is kind of bullshit. But yes, I guess that's difficult to argue in a court of law. Yeah, but that's what they're saying. Blah blah blah. Do you use Uber? Uh, I've used it once in Paris in 2016. Mm, okay, that was my only time I used Uber. Airbnb, I, I used recently in um, I was recently in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And uh, the experience of that was kind of shit. From a communication perspective with the host, and this mm -hmm. is my mini Airbnb review, by the way, of, of my holiday in Barcelona, but <laughs> um, the communication was great, really, really clear. And from that point of view, I find that easier compared to, you know, booking a hotel because you're messaging directly with the host through WhatsApp. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yes, but at the same time, you are dependent on the host more than on the hotel, right? Yes, absolutely. Because you so need to, you need to. He needs to show on, up. Exactly. You need to settle the rules, um, yeah. and and also in the pictures, you know, that they show you on the website. Mm -hmm. None of them really represented the reality of the apartment that I found. <laughs> so, so okay. I arrived there and I was like, okay, this is a shithole. Uh, I'm paying you, you know, x amount mm -hmm. of euros for this, mm -hmm. you bastard. Yeah. Um, but Barcelona is probably one of the most difficult the, places in Europe to get a proper accommodation proper, yes, for yes, a good price. Exactly, yeah. But, it, you know, the city was amazing and makes up for it. But at the same time, you know, you got to leave that uh, honest and frank review. Yeah. Anyway, dude, shall we move on to the next topic? Yeah, please do. Okay. So... I have two choices for you. What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about um, sports injuries and the depression that ensues quite often in, in athletes or even just amateurs? Okay. Or do you want to talk about a few strange traditions that I've looked for around the world? Traditions. Excellent. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay. So the first one involves Greece and teeth. Okay. So children in Greece they throw their uh, teeth on the roof 
okay, of their childhood home to bring good luck for them in their in their life. Okay. So I thought that that was interesting because usually in in many countries you put the tooth under the pillow and then the tooth fairy comes around and you know. So I guess in Greece it's uh, it's easier to to tell the the kid that the tooth fairy was on the roof during the night <laughs> instead <guess>. of <laughs> I guess instead of saying the yeah. the tooth fairy visit him in, during the night. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you do you remember what's the tradition in Poland by the way? In Italy it's you just put the tooth under the uh, the pillow and the same in, in Ireland I think. Honestly, I don't think there is a tradition in Poland about that. What have you done to your children, you horrible people? <laughs> I, might, I might be saying something wrong now, but I, don't, okay. I really don't think there is one. Wow, it's such a cold nation. But, you know, a funny fact is that I do own majority of, the, of my childhood teeth. Well, this is getting creepy. Yep. Okay. I have them. Okay, good to know. Yep. I guess... I guess. <laughs> okay, shall we move on yes, to the next tradition on, yes, so that please. I can... <laughs> okay, so next tradition, uh, really strange. In English, it's called baby jumping, but in Spanish, it's called el colacho. <laughs> and it's a traditional Spanish holiday dating back to the 1620s that takes place annually to celebrate the Catholic feast of Corpus Christi in Castrillo de Murcia in mm -hmm. the province of Burgos. And... During the act, so known as the El Salto del Colacho, the Devil's Jump, mm -hmm. men dressed as the devil uh, in red and yellow suits, they jump over babies born during the previous 12 months of the year who lie on mattresses in the street. And the devils hold up whips and oversized castanets as they jump over the infant children. And I guess that this is meant to bring them good luck, you know. Are you uh, talking about one of the Kubrick's movies? Or? <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> this is a thing. This is a thing. This is super weird. So it says here on our, on our friend's uh, Wikipedia page that the Brotherhood of Santissimo Sacramento de Minerva organizes the week-long festivities which culminate on Sunday when the Colacho, or the devil, jumps over the babies on the mattresses placed on the procession route, traversing the town. And the origins of this thing are unknown, are, uh, sorry, are unknown, but it is said to cleanse the babies of original sin. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Spanish Inquisition stuff, dude. That's some fuck. Oh, that, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I just said that's some fuck. That's some fudged up shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. What's your take on, uh, on the, the, the baby jumping by the devils? <laughs> you can't make this, this stuff up. But you know, no, no, you can't. But the, um, I actually have a friend who who wrote a PhD dissertation about how do you call pag pagan pagan no, yeah pagan pa pagan rituals pagan rituals and pagan mm -hmm. traditions uh, in Poland that okay. are that are still alive. Okay, and there's many of them. One of one of them would be that, <clears throat> for instance. Um, Back in the, back back in the past, but I still remember that in 2008, in a, in a small village, when my grandma passed away, basically um, there was a tradition that uh, the the coffin makes it to the home, to the house, right? Mm -hmm. There is a there is an overnight prayer of the yeah. of the praying, which is called the vigil, usually. Yeah, yeah. Then, obviously, the the body is exposed and everything. The, the the coffin is open, and then the coffin is taken out of the house, right? And put into an espresso machine. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Okay. And uh, it it's it's put on it's it's it stays on stools or, or on chairs. Yeah. Right in front of the house. Okay. There is a prayer around the the coffin. Okay. And then from there it goes to the cemetery. Right. Right. And um, when they take the coffin up from the chairs, shivers. <laughs> Sean had shivers. Do you want to explain what that means? <laughs> yeah, Sean has shivers very often. Yeah. So when when they take the coffin up from the chairs, they have to make the chairs fall down, right? Okay. And you cannot you cannot take them up until the the coffin is in the is buried. Otherwise, the, the dead person would come back as a ghost and haunt Ooh, the house. Oh, cool. And these things are alive still. In, in wow. small villages in Poland, this this is just alive. No, nope, don't pick up that chair. <laughs> exactly. And actually, this happened because my brother's wife didn't know this tradition. And she's, you know, she she wanted to help and she started cleaning up. Or she wanted and to like, sit down even worse. No, no, no. She, would, she really wanted to be a nice person to yeah. clean up and yeah. everything. Because she, she, she thought that they were just not careful enough and they, you know, make the, make the chairs fall down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was really told off really told off and I, I really remember that I was like thinking dude this 2008 not 1652 <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's still alive it's really interesting that's really cool though yeah I, I like the, I like the idea of not being allowed to pick up the chairs until the body is buried yeah so do you want to know the next strange uh, tradition yeah, please still from the land of España mm-hmm. and it's called La Tomatina oh yeah this I know Oh, you bastard. I thought I was going to surprise you. Okay, so for for anyone who doesn't know... Throwing tomatoes, right? Yes, so for anyone who doesn't know, La Tomatina is a festival that is held in uh, a place called Buñol, Mm -hmm. close to Valencia, I think. Valencia. Valencia. In which participants throw tomatoes or tomatoes at each other, and uh, they just have a tomato fight. And mm-hmm. that is that is it, just for the purposes of entertainment. Sounds and amazing. In the entire town, just people are covered in tomatoes. It is on my bucket list, by the way. It is on your bucket yes, list? Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> all I can say is that it's a tasty tradition. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, even though, have you ever, have you ever um, maybe you have never done this being from Poland, but, you know, in Italy sometimes... You make uh, tomato sauce with your for pizza with your hands. So you just take a, a, a jar of uh, peeled, boiled Sarmazzano tomatoes or whatever, Roma tomatoes, put them in a big bowl and you start squishing them with your hand. Mm-hmm. And you feel the acid of the tomato just kind of eating away at your skin. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine your eyes having a nice day at the festival in, in Tomatina. My what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, for anyone listening, um, which is just our two mothers. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Um, <clears throat> Carol doesn't have eyes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Which does not mean I'm blind. Uh, true. Bless you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so the next one is. Oh, this this is a this is a weird one. Okay, so. This article is called The Funerary Rituals of the Yanomami. Mm. So the Yanomami are... Did you have a stroke or... <laughs> Why? <laughs> ah, it's, it's really a word. Yes, it's ah, okay, really a word. Right, okay. okay. So the Yanomami are a tribe uh, that live in the villages within the Amazon rainforest. 
Mm -hmm. in case you didn't know that, because of course I knew that. And these guys don't believe in, uh, since we're on the topic of funerals, don't believe in burying bodies. Okay. Is the guys who bur who who put their bodies on the mountain or something? These are the guys. That, so they they take the the body of the deceased. Yeah. They put the they cover it up with leaves, put it in the forest for about thirty uh, or forty days. Okay. They let nature take its course, and then they go back to the body. Mm. They collect the bones or whatever is left of the body, and then they cremate it. But get this. They mix some of the ashes in this soup that they drink Ooh. after. Beautiful. Yes. Wow. I think I'm going to pass on the dinner tonight. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just... Yeah. The guys that we, I was thinking of are Zaratustrians. Yeah, but, but mm. the thing is behind this, right? And the thing that's most ama really amazing behind this tradition is that they don't believe that death occurs naturally. So they believe that the shaman or some other force of nature mm. um, or divine, uh, some other force, uh, you know, of, of the divine has caused death to mm -hmm. their loved one. Okay. And they, um, therefore, they just, um, they settle the issue of disposing uh, uh, with the body immediately by cremation. And I just found that this is just so mind-boggling but at the same time if you actually go and think about a body decomposing in the earth versus a body being cremated straight after the kind of cleaner option if you will allow me to use that term in such morbid circumstances is cremation it's not the you know body decomposing in the earth there's i, I guess there's without going too deep into this <laughs> i i guess i guess i can see where where these people are coming from Not from the uh, drinking the, you know, grandma's soup, literally, <laughs> the soup made out of my grandma. But, you know, the part of cremating the body straight away, I, I, I guess I would opt for that rather than being buried. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Can I just switch topics, please? <laughs> yes, do. I kind of uh, drove myself into a hole there. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but we we were talking about weird traditions, and it was yeah. good to end on the weirdest one of them all, in my of opinion. Of course, of course. Um, okay, there, so how to start? Let me start. That I will ask you three questions. Okay. And I would just I, I would like you not to think too much about them. Just answer what you think straight away. Okay. It's it's not <laughs> it's not it's not about the, the the questions that are tricky. Okay. Okay. The first question is. Do the what do the scientists say? Are, is the 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 average temperature in the next 100 years is going to increase? Is going to stay the same or is going to decrease? No, it's going to increase. Okay. Then <clears throat> the second question would be: How many people in the world have access to some electricity? have some access to electricity 20% 50% or 80% I would say 20% okay and um, the third question would be how did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last hundred years more than doubled remained about the same decreased to less than half I think it more than doubled okay That's interesting. So, 
The first question, you were right. Oh, but that means that the next two questions I was wrong. You were completely wrong. Okay. Actually, it turns out that over 80% of people around the world have access to electricity. Wow. And the number of people dead because of natural disasters is less than half over the ne over the last century there is a set of a lot of questions like that and there is there was this guy who is he actually passed away two years ago mm -hmm. hans rosling who okay. is a swedish guy who in, who kind of invented the 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 term factfulness 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 yeah so basically um he 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 was proving that people have actually no idea about the world okay okay well unless you research you have no idea about the world unless you research or or unless an idea is really spread and very well uh, marketed or what you call well, how you call them uh, is made very popular mm -hmm. so you knew straight away about the climate change right you knew you just knew it i knew straight away because i i took interest in it and i was reading articles about it and watching documentaries about it and yeah. um and obviously it's very present in the media but right. in terms of access to electricity i i was gonna go for 50 percent, but i yeah. presumed that it was a trick question i was like no <laughs> So, so the, I, I'm, I'm just not going into too many details of it, but mm -hmm. he, this guy is is basically was proving that we see we as people we see the world much more negative than it actually is, and and when I say much more, it's really much more. The funny thing here is that only 16% of people answered his questions correctly, right? Okay. And this is across all kinds of education. Actually, in 2015, he went to, he went to the World Economic Forum, mm -hmm. and he asked these questions to the world re leaders. Right. right. And, the ratio, and the ratio was exactly the same as any other level of education, mm -hmm. any other level of, um, you know, um, being a, a, from, a, from a developed country. Right. right. And um, it, it actually turns out that if... No, it, not if. He actually asked the same questions to the chimpanzees in a zoo, <laughs> giving them three bananas with, an, with A, B, or C. And obviously not by, by the level of knowledge, but by statistical chance. statistical chance, the chimpanzees were more positive than people. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? Nice. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of reading his book, which is called Factfulness, and it's really mind-blowing, man. It's really mind-blowing because he, what he says, he calls the the this this um, the, the 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 thing that we look at at the world more negative than we think. He calls it he calls it overdramatic worldview. No, I disagree. I think that's completely subjective. No, 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 no. But literally, I I think it's subjective because if you think that the world is better today than it was yesterday. Um, he, we are, we are mm -hmm. destroying our planet now more than we were a hundred years ago. That's a scientific fact. Yeah. Yes. So, but the perception of that, mm -hmm. obviously, since we're not all masochists, and we want, presumably we want to continue to live and we want our species to continue to live on, our, our, on this planet, mm -hmm. 
I think that one could reasonably say that that is a way worse world. If it's a much worse world uh, compared to, sure. you know, the sure. previous. Sure, sure, but you can you can also, you can you can see at a lot of different angles. Exactly, that's uh, what I'm saying. I'm saying it's completely subjective. I'm I'm arguing exactly that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But you know, if if you look at the number of uh, of the percentage of illiterate people fifty years back and now. The difference is, is just dramatic, is drastical. So he's saying that people's perception of the world has just become more negative. No, not more negative. Or that it it's, just it's, is more it, negative. It is more negative than it should be. Okay. And, and the, pure, the pure reason for that is because they do not have the knowledge. But what I dispute is that last part of your sentence, mm -hmm. or his sentence, that it should be. Mm -hmm. So people are completely... No, 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 it's yeah. not. Maybe I'm, I'm putting it wrong. It's not that it should be. It's just that he's giving um, an example of exactly climate change. Mm -hmm. Is that this, this theory or this scientific facts, they, they are just popular because they are, they, the, the scientists made a lot of efforts to make, them, to make this uh, heard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas, um, obviously, um, not only media, but there is not too much. Um, there's not too much involvement in spreading the the good news. Yeah, but I think that on the electricity, for example, mm -hmm. you said some access to electricity, right? Yeah. Now that could mean a light bulb. Sure. No. No. Of course. Whereas, whereas nowadays, electricity is not a standard to to go by. Rather, internet is a standard to of go course. by. Of course, we can we can we can argue exactly. we can argue for for the details yeah. for sure. Of course, it's just about the the overall um, the overall perception of people, and basically what he calls the overdramatic worldview. What he's what he was explaining. He was a scientist. He was not a writer. Or you know, he was not a novelist. He was a scientist, and he worked in the Karolinska Institute in uh, in Stockholm. Okay. Uh, he 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 did scientific experiments, research, yeah. research, and everything. So what he's saying is that we are looking at the world. That one of the reasons that we are looking at the world in a in an overdramatic way is that the 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 drama, the natural drama that we have in our lives, is actually we actually need it because this drama makes us curious wow and this drama okay. makes us creative and that's okay. that's why we have emotions as well because we do have this drama kind of engraved in our in our brains well it's certainly true that happiness doesn't mean doesn't bring as much progress as much as stress or difficulty or mm -hmm. um you know other other type of situations too yeah. for sure because if you're really happy and content yeah you might not be moving out of your comfort zone correct and etc 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 whereas of course we know that necessity is the mother of all inventions mm -hmm. and um you know we, we all improve after we get well theoretically we all improve after we get over a, a, a rough patch if we're able to learn from our mistakes so I, I see where, where he's coming from. Yeah, I just wanted to drop this topic because I found it really interesting. And it's, it's really, uh, I don't think it's possible to, 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 to go into details in 10 minutes or so. But, um, but yeah, I just wanted to drop because it's, if you want to get into more details, uh, factfulness, just mm -hmm. Google it and it's really interesting. Okay, cool. So in order to kind of close the, the, this episode, mm -hmm. What would be the thing that you recommend, a song or a movie? 
Ah, yes. So I uh, recommend Spotlight. Okay, yeah. Which is... Uh, I have seen and I really agree that this recommendation is really good, yeah. Yeah, so I would recommend Spotlight. Is, isn't you it can over, find it on Netflix. Isn't it overdramatic? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the truth. I mean, yes. Yeah. It, so it's we, very we, interesting. It's, it's just, it just deals with the topic of um, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and uh, abuse of young children. Mm-hmm. Just as a general topic. Go watch it. Really, really cool. It's a true story. And uh, highly recommended. Also has one of my favorite actors in it, Mark Ruffalo. So mm-hmm. shout out to him. <laughs> and in terms of songs, I was listening to a song today. If you give me two seconds, it's one of my favorite French songs. But just because I don't want to make any mistakes, I, I will uh, look it up. Okay. So it's uh, La Belle Vie by Sasha Distel. I would recommend that song. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard this. Yeah. No, I'm sure you have. It's one of the most famous French songs of all time. Yeah. It goes, oh, la belle vie. Da, da, da. Anyway. <laughs> okay. My recommendation, since I have Netflix. <laughs> now, now you do. Ooh. Yeah, I'm so modern. Um, my recommendation uh, would be Staircase. 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 Okay. Yes, it's a it's a series about a about a guy. About stairs. Yes, about stairs. It's a it's about a guy whose wife was found at the bottom of a staircase and she was dead. Uh, I, I'm not going to say anything more. I think it's 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 a documentary. Um, you think it's a documentary, or you know it's a documentary. Um, I think it's a documentary because I cannot say that it's impartial it has all uh, all all things that a documentary needs for instance objectivity oh okay yeah so <clears throat> i think it's a documentary but it's a, it's an interesting thing and i think um <laughs> i think there there can be a, a long discussion about it cool. which we actually had over lunch the other day that's true song song <laughs> yes song <laughs> yeah shall we close it what song are you going to recommend? A song? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to recommend a song. Oh, okay. It's a movie or a song. Okay, well, I recommend it too. So, there you go. Do what to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. I mean, hi, yeah. mom. Bye, mom. She, no, they, they, would never, they would never listen until then. So, we're just going to keep on listening to our own podcast, just yes. you and I? Yes, okay, cool. exactly. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for not listening to this very point. Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye. See you next time. Ciao.